0: Hey, this is Brent Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And I am joined today by Toronto radio and television host, Todd Miller. Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you. Really good to be here. So, Todd, your bio says that you are, uh, in addition to a radio and television host, you're also a scotch lover. Is that true?
1: Sadly, yes. I'm, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm addicted to scotch, but I do appreciate a fine single malt. Good for you. Yeah. After many years of avoiding it. Yeah. Go figure.
0: Are you a bourbon guy? Yes. At all? Yeah?
1: Actually, uh, I, I got a tour of a bourbon factory in Kentucky and got to hand dip my own bottle. No and way. autograph it. Yeah, oh, wow. Maker's Mark. You owe me money, Maker's Mark. Maker's so send Mark. send a check.
0: I have a bottle of that in my basement right
1: yeah, now. Yeah. It's got the, the-
0: It's got a wax, wax uh, seal on you, it.
1: And it's their hand dipped. No in way. Kentucky. Oh,
0: so you did that yourself. I
1: did that myself on my own bottle. got to sign it. Still have the bottle. Sadly, it's empty. <laughs> Go figure.
0: <laughs> These things happen.
1: These things happen. Right. Occupational hazard. <laughs> Being in radio, we tend to drink.
0: Oh, yeah. So, Todd, you've got uh, a long history in the radio business. You do a lot of stuff. You've also um, you've got a show called Vinyl Vault. Correct. Right? So let's talk a little bit about that.
1: It is called from my own collection, and it really harkens back to when – DJs got to pick their own music mm-hmm. and that's something that we all know is sadly on the decline where, you know, and that's just the way things have, have moved to. Um, radio hosts tend to get a playlist and yeah. pushed in front of them and that's what they, and they're basically announcing the tunes and mentioning what the weather's like and the time of day and that sort of thing. Yep. So what I've tried to do is bring a little bit of that excitement back and I know there are many people like David Marsden that are still doing that, you know, hand creating their own playlists and, and really trying to turn people onto music that they may not have heard before. And that's the whole purpose of the vinyl vault is we play a little bit of the familiar, but we go way into the unfamiliar and play some stuff that you may have never heard before. And as I like to say, you may never want to hear again. (laughs) Always a little, hmm, will they like this? Maybe not. I like that. Yeah,
0: I love that concept.
1: Challenging the listeners.
0: Because you know as well as I do. I mean, you listen to radio now and you, you hear Black Dog, Led Zeppelin, you hear... You know, you shook me all night long, AC/DC, and it just—I don't want to hear those songs. And I mean, they're great songs, but I want to hear the deep cuts.
1: One of the deep, dark industry secrets: yeah. Are we rolling tape or no? We I, are. Oh, we are. Okay. Well, I'll—I'll I'll, I'll throw it out there anyways. <laughs> Radio stations have a, a format where they have a limited number of tracks, mm-hmm. and then they rotate them every three to six months. Mm-hmm. So it's a power rotation. Yep. So they'll choose a bunch of songs, and it's ACDC, and it'll be the same ACDC song for three to six months, and then it's another ACDC song. Mm-hmm. But you find, at the end of the day, it's the same three or four that get rotated through yeah. the list. Yeah, And ACDC has a lot of albums. Zeppelin had, I don't know, ten albums, eight yeah. albums, I don't know, but they had a lot of good stuff. They had a lot of good stuff,
0: right? But a lot of that gets overlooked. You know, Black Country Woman, uh, Down by the Seaside.
1: Play Boogie with Stu. It's it's yeah. two minutes and something of just pure joy. Right. That someone committed to, to analog tape and released. Yeah. And it's the band just having a lot of fun. Yeah. Why does that not earn time on the radio? I have no idea.
0: I've always wondered that. I don't know.
1: We're, we're not going to fix it here today, that's <laughs> for sure. But we can <laughs> complain about it a little bit, can't we?
0: Of course we can. You know who we can't complain about though is Christina Martin.
1: No, uh, I have no complaints to register against that fine singer-songwriter who I've who drifted into my orbit. I would say maybe six to eight years ago at uh, Hugh's room, where uh, our mutual friend Blair Packham was having a songwriter in the round. Yeah, and the intent was each person would play their song, and if you could comp the chords, you'd maybe join in. But most of the time, there was they'd sit back and just let the, the singer-songwriter do their thing. Yeah, and there was an audible. Silence after Christina finished her song. Really, it was just like people were lost for breath. Yeah, it was like it was magical, and I really, I said, I need a moment here. And he, it just, it overwhelmed me. It was so powerful, and um, it was just something else. And, and you've had the opportunity to meet her and yeah, and listen to her live.
0: She did the show a couple of weeks ago. Somebody had told me about um, her most recent record, Impossible to Hold. And uh, she's just, you know, it's one of those special talents that comes every now and again that you, you know, you're lucky enough to to either hear about or find out about. And her voice is just incredible. There's nothing like it. I mean, it's there's a grit. There's a power. There's a a vulnerability. She's fantastic.
1: Not not to, uh, you know, belabor it. But I mean, you know, this is a woman that probably doesn't use auto tune. I mean, it's just her. Yeah. And this beautiful pitch and the beautiful timbre of her voice. And the songs that she writes are deceptively simple. Yeah. But not derivative. Yeah. You're not hearing her and going, She reminds me of you're listening to I've never heard anything like this before. Yes.
0: See that's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting and very accurate in her case. Because we're always kind of impelled to say, Well, it kinda sounds like this crossed with this but when you listen to her, I can't really I can't really make that, you know, comment. Yeah. Yeah
1: huge talent and as you know we both know she uh, deserves a bigger audience even bigger audience than she's got now
0: yeah no, I wanted to mention that because she's very um she's gaining popularity but I you know I almost feel like it's my duty to kind of shout out these things to people if you, if you don't know who Christina Martin is you know this is like an unplugged find gem. her yeah
1: I believe now she's on all the streaming platforms as well so uh, yeah and I've got the bike song from Christina in my head here yeah So uh, I'll have to play that one. And I consciously did not add her to the playlist because I know you you two have uh, connected and she's getting some well-deserved exposure on your uh, podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely well-deserved. She's fantastic. She'll be back, I think, for sure. Good. Yeah. So you have got uh, some great songs yourself here. You've got um, a lot of deep cuts, which I like. And we talked about this earlier in terms of band even. You've got stuff that we don't typically see on the show, which I love. Let's get into it. I, Sorry, no ACDC. <laughs> no Led Zeppelin either. No Led That's Zeppelin. A Led, not a lot of Led Zeppelin on the show, though, you know. People don't bring that in. Led Zeppelin, I think, maybe appeared once or twice over 80 shows, if that. ACDC's been on a couple times. But yeah, you know, You Shook Me All Night Long. Great song, but I never need to hear that song again.
1: Sorry. No, I think I'm done with that one as well Yeah I mean, there's so many so many good tunes that people could play
0: What's your favorite ACDC tune?
1: Um, believe it or not, probably Ride On Wow, really? I. It's, It's got a great feel to it Low, lazy blues tune yeah. And I love it, I really do and Again, something you don't hear a lot Is that from the... to Ride On, yeah. Ride On It's from uh, Dirty who Deeds Who Made Who? Is it? Yeah, Dirty Deeds
0: Oh, I thought it was from the Who Made no, Who
1: Outside 2? I'm dating myself, but I really? think it's on side 2. Yeah. I totally know it, yeah. There are a lot of great songs, like Problem Child. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, the Jack. Things yeah. that don't get a lot of airplay. Yeah. Um, but that was the first one that jumped to mind, so it must be a, a deep favorite for me. Yeah,
0: right. I know it's got a great groove. Yeah. Yeah. I love Sin City. That's my favorite ACDC tune. Yeah. Yeah. And not one that's super popular, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. I love it. But there's so many to choose from. Exactly. Anyway, last week, you talked about ACDC for an hour. We should get into your tunes here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this is a cool pick right off the top Judas Priest and A Touch of Evil.
1: Judas Priest, uh, and I'll be honest here, I, I kind of lost touch with Judas Priest after Screaming for Vengeance.
0: Okay. The I next can see album that. was Defenders of the Faith.
1: Was, was pretty good, but not as good. But not as good, in my opinion. Yeah. And then we hit Turbo. Oof. with the inf- infamous it was a turbo. I Want to Be Your Turbo Lover
0: yeah this was the first single and, and I kind of went
1: I just I, I, I questioned my existence I had no idea what they were doing
0: yeah
1: uh, so I kind of left them for a bit yeah and then along comes 1990 and Painkiller Painkiller and they crushed it I mean yeah. they just said forget it we're going back. they went back to where they were but then turned it up to 11 to quote Nigel Tufnell yeah they really kicked it up yeah and I listened to the album, Painkiller was just a killer track, but I always, I always seem to gravitate to those tunes on the albums that are a little quirky, a little different, mm-hmm. maybe a different vibe. Yeah. And A Touch of Evil is the one that really jumped up for me. First of all, it's the title. Yeah. What is A Touch of Evil? What does that mean? Yeah. But it starts off with synthesizers.
0: Yes. It's like orchestral too, almost. It's very odd, eh?
1: Chris Tangariti's the producer, the mm-hmm. guy is a master, in rest in peace, um, he, we lost him I think about a year or two ago yeah. master producer probably challenged the hell out of them to say no 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 we're not doing this we're going to do this we're going to do something unique and the way that he integrated the synthesizers into that crushing guitar riff just made complete sense to me Yeah. it wasn't you know somebody playing it wasn't John Lord you know, putting chords or anything in there it was almost like an effect yeah. but boy did it have an effect
0: Yeah, getting back to Judas Priest and Turbo and stuff like that, they were a wavy band. They were a volatile band. You know, you think about, what was that album with uh, Solar Angels on it? Point of Entry.
1: Point of Entry, right. So
0: Point of Entry, you know, criticized for being commercial. Then they come back with a Think British Steel. But then uh, Screaming for Vengeance was just like almost the perfect metal record, right?
1: (laughs) It was commercial, but it was crushing. Yeah. And I can remember actually sitting in Maple Leaf Gardens, yeah. and they used to play music before concerts. Yeah. And I can't remember who we were there to see. If it was Iron Maiden. And Screaming, not Screaming for Vengeance, but... Um, electric Eye. Electric Eye came on. Yeah. And the crowd just went mental. Oh, yeah. It just sounded so good in a stadium. Yeah. In an arena.
0: That album is just lights out, right? It starts with Hell in, Electric Eye. Riding on the Wind is yep. incredible. I know. Right? It's like the perfect metal song. Screaming for Vengeance, Devil's Child...
1: Amazing. devil's child was a killer track yeah. yeah and his voice and that's the thing that r- really knocked me out about this track was as well it's 1990 it's like you know eight years after screaming for vengeance yeah and the high notes that he hits in this track oh, are yeah. unbelievable yeah and he's still hitting them yeah he's got to be well, i'm 53 he's got to be 60 something
0: he's up there for sure
1: and he's still still he's, doing st- it. he's
0: still doing it yeah yeah he's, he's so unique right and just so gifted
1: And everything just seemed to come together on Painkiller, and and then around the same time period, maybe a little later, he had that band called Fight. That's right. If you're familiar with them, he left
0: Priest after Ram It Down, I think, didn't he? Right. Yeah.
1: And then he put Fight together.
0: He had another group called Two, I think, around that time.
1: Possibly. Yeah. He did. uh, He
0: did a couple things.
1: Yeah. Keeping busy. Yeah. Keeping the chops up.
0: An un. Why is the metal god unbelievable voice? Yeah. There's
1: that that legend. I don't know if it ever happened in Toronto, where he rode on stage at the CNE and on motorcycle and hit a bar and got knocked off the motorcycle. Oh, I didn't Apparently know. Apparently, he fell off and was laying there for a couple of minutes while the band sort of laughed at him. So, <laughs> Google that, as my kids say, search it up and see if it's true. We
0: well, used to do that for uh, Hellbent for Leather. He he would drive the Harley on stage. Yep. At the, at the intro, I didn't Maybe know he, he didn't, I didn't have know his he fell
1: route off properly it. planned out, and uh, he might have just <laughs> run into something. So. But this track definitely does sound evil. I'm a musician. I play. And there's there's a, a modality called a semitone. So it's yes. from one note to the, the next adjacent note, which in some circles, in religious circles, that kind of music has an evil overtone.
0: The devil's tritone. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Uh, and this just cements it for me. Touch of evil, and they make it sound evil. Yeah. Home run.
0: <laughs> All right. Kind of on that same page. Gary Moore. From back in the '80s, I remember Gary Moore, so a very uh, highly respected but um, overlooked guitar player. He used to be in Thin Lizzy, I think, for a little while, right?
1: He was a, in a famous, famous Irish band called Skid Row. This yes. was pre-Sebastian Bach Skid Row, yeah. Uh, and uh, they had some notoriety. Very good friends with uh, Phil Lynott, yeah, of Thin Lizzy, and he was conscripted into the band. Uh, when one of the guitarists left. So he, he did one of the later tours, and and uh, he and Phil wrote some songs together and yep. did some demos. It was a great time. Yeah. And then he just sort of went out on his own and some fantastic albums in the 80s. Yeah. And then this one sort of came out of left field. He started taking more of a metal approach um, and then also did some blues albums as well. So he was kind of like, I'm going to do what I want to do. It was almost like he knew his time on earth was limited and I better get everything I want done mm. out of me and onto tape.
0: Yeah. So sorry, this song is called the Messiah will come again. This is
1: the Messiah. Yeah. It's an old track from Roy Buchanan, a yep. uh, gifted guitarist. And I listened to his version again today and there's a almost a two minute spoken word part before he gets to the music. So it's a little, it's a little takes us on a little bit of a journey, but I like Gary Moore's because it just starts and he just shreds throughout the whole track.
0: Yeah, he was super versatile. I, he he rubbed elbows with BB King and and some of the blues greats too.
1: Absolutely. In his later years, he was doing full-on blues records that could have done at Chess Records and you know, mm-hmm. many many years ago. He had a, a real appreciation for it, like like the Beatles and like the the UK artists back in the fifties who listened to those blues records and the Rolling Stones and said, "Yeah, this is what we want to do, but we're going to modernize it a, a little bit." Yeah. Gary said, "No, no, I'm going to keep it the way it." way it sounds yeah be somewhat authentic with it
0: yes he was always a very edgy player though I found right
1: he really was incendiary I mean if Hendrix had a child Gary Moore might have been that child because he he challenged us with what guitar could be yes you know he didn't rely on the same old licks yeah but he it wasn't a it wasn't a stunt show or freak show on guitar it was really tasty at the same time
0: yeah and that's a fine line right given that time that that he was um kind of at his height you know that was a fine line for him because you had all the flashy guitar players out there and he was just as good as any of them but you know he kind of held back a little bit but also he was very gritty i find and very um he just kind of knew where that line was precisely
1: when you were listening to him it was almost like you'd hear a little incidental kick scrape or something Mm -hmm. or a little noise of him thumping on his guitar and they'd leave it in because it wasn't like it needed to be perfect. Yes. It just needed to be full of passion. Yeah. And that's, that's what it gave us.
0: That's what it's all about. Yeah. Another great guitar player, Jeff Beck is next with where were you?
1: I was late to the Jeff Beck party. I knew him from the Yardbirds, obviously, and he did some pretty freaky guitar things back there. You know, when you're in a band that formerly had Eric Clapton and Jeff jimmy page in there yeah you got to step up your game and he did that and he's always been somewhat of a not a full stunt guitarist but he he plays what he wants to play and then says watch this and he does a little guitar trick and this tune it's full of them some tasty playing but he does this weird thing with his vibrato bar that almost makes it sound like it's a soprano singing the lines and Mm. you'll hear the track and you'll know exactly what i'm talking about where it's just this soaring vocal like guitar tone yeah totally um, mind-blowing yeah totally mind-blowing
0: fantastic player
1: really is he's got a killer band now
0: oh does he oh yeah is, is he still out there?
1: Oh, still out there. And he's got Tal Wilkenfield on okay. bass. And I think she started playing with him when she was like 18 or something. Mm-hmm. Bass virtuoso. Yeah. Cute as a button and just can chops from, from hell. Awesome. She's really, really good. Yeah. And he's still out there. Cool. Yeah.
0: Speaking of uh, great bass players, the Ox, John Entwistle is next. Big with Johnny the...
1: Twinkle, is, uh, <laughs> as he was known within the circle of the Who. <laughs> What a character. What a character. Yeah. I mean, just the way he went out as well, you know, not, not a good way to go out dying in Vegas, Mm -hmm. but lived his life fully. Yeah. And one of the ways he did this was his solo work. I mean, I loved his tracks in the Who's Canon. I mean, my wife on Who's Next, great track about the friction within a marriage. Yeah. Too Late the Hero. To me, when I heard it, it's so majestic with the way the synths open the track and this weird sort of time signature. It sounds like you're watching or it's, it sounds like you're listening to the soundtrack of a movie from a hero that's failed. Mm-hmm. He's gone on a mission and he was too late. Yeah. He showed up when the, the train went off the, you know, the precipice over, over the and cliff. went into the canyon and he wasn't able to rescue them. Yeah, It's very, very cool. And I believe Joe Walsh was involved in the recording of that record. Oh, really? Pulled in some favors. Yeah. Yeah. Great track.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, and uh, not an easy task for him in The Who behind, uh, you know, Adultery and Townsend, obviously, but also Keith Moon, I mean.
1: I wonder how much he actually wrote. I mean, he played a lot of instruments, but I don't know how much he wrote. But when you're in a band with Pete Townsend, who probably writes, I don't know, five songs a day.
0: Yeah, a taskmaster.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I would wonder how hard it would be to get your material on record, mm-hmm. just like the Beatles. George Harrison wasn't a, a big writer in the beginning. Later in their career, he yeah. started getting songs in there. And it was probably the same with, with John. Was, yeah. I've got a song, and I really want to record it. Yeah, so,
0: yeah that, would be, that would be similar for sure.
1: It would be a challenge.
0: Yeah. Next, we're going to take a little bit of a change in direction here. This is uh weather report and a remark you made.
1: Yes, weather report. Again, I was late to the jazz scene. I was um as we've sort of talked about before uh, more of a hard rock metal guy when I was younger,
2: Yeah, me too
1: and then a lot- a lot of it or some of it started getting a little bit repetitive, so I started broadening my horizons, and one of the things my friend Brian turned me on to was was more jazz oriented material, yeah, and one of the things he spun spun for me was was weather report and blew my mind, yeah because it wasn't old-time jazz from the 50s or 60s, like bebop or hard bop or whatever they called it. It was very atmospheric, and it drew you in and made you feel many, many different things. Yeah. And I mean, Joe Zawinol on keyboards, Wayne Shorter on sax, the great Jaco Pistorius on bass. Mm. What a combination. Alex Acuna on percussion. They just gelled. Yes. And this track just blows me away every time I hear it. Yeah. Finally got to see them in live when they were known as weather update and joe was pretty much the only guy left in the band but still a magical magical show massey hall of all places oh really yeah what year was that i would say it would have been around 93 i'm thinking maybe even a little earlier okay it was the same year that i saw the g3 tour there as well so i went from (laughs) jazz back to shred guitar always keep it interesting right (laughs) that's right
0: all right so your next tune Todd is uh, David Gilmour from his solo record uh, I think this is On an Island
1: On an Island
0: the song is called The Blue
1: 2006 I mean he's only put out four solo albums I believe to to date now his last one was Rattle That Lock a couple of years ago but he saves up these tracks that he I guess he didn't put on a Floyd album The Blue hit me like a ton of bricks Yeah because the the, the album opens with a, a bit of a heavier track and then boom track two it's just this immense space. And it immediately took me to someone being stranded on an island. It's got this mournful harmonica that, that plays along with the melodies. Yep. These nice little piano arpeggios are, are cycling through. And I went and looked at the credits. It's Rick Wright from Pink Floyd. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, playing wow. Playing the, the piano part. And they did. Rick did the tour with them afterwards as, as well. Didn't know that. And I was going to go to the tour. I thought, nah, I don't know. Maybe I won't go. And as it turned out, there was Rick Wright on stage with him. Cool. And on background vocals, Crosby and Nash.
0: Oh, I didn't know that either.
1: Not bad to have those guys as your background vocalists. Right?
0: Yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. This album came out on his 60th birthday, right? I want to say it was 2006. 2006 yeah. yeah.
1: So he would have been 60. And I saw him two years ago, and he would have been 70. Yeah,
0: isn't that incredible? Yeah. He still looks great.
1: It was a great show as well. I mean, yeah. he just pulled out all the stops.
0: Yeah. Where was that?
1: Uh, The ACC. Oh, nice. Yeah. Still my favorite place to see a show probably would have been either Massey Hall or Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. Yeah. Maple Leaf Gardens just had this phenomenal sound. Did it really?
0: I've never, you know, I I came to Toronto just as it was kind of phasing out. Yeah. So did it have good sound? I've I've seen
1: everyone from Iron Maiden to Anthrax to Rush there. And the acoustics were Amazing. Really? Only better acoustics would have been Massey Hall and obviously a smaller hall.
0: Yeah. Okay, last tune. This is a great way to finish. Monty Python. <laughs> Always look on the bright side of life. Tell me about this one.
1: You know, uh all I will say is enough said. <laughs> and and to just put some context around that, when life has you by the nether regions, you can you can fold your tent and go home, or you can just keep looking at the bright side. And and as I always like to say, just keep laughing. Yeah. If you keep laughing, all those good endorphins. Uh, and then put on a good record as well. Like, just put on some good music. And Monty Python has seen me through some incredible times. When there are times in my darkest day, I'll put on a Python record or tape or CD, whatever, and it just brings me back to where i am and what i'm doing it's just got a way of pushing all the bs away yeah. and just saying let's have a laugh let's just make fun of ourselves and have a laugh and these you know five or six idiots from the uk really have a way of doing that and being nonsensical and and just making me laugh
0: yeah that's a great outlook
1: that's a way to that's the way to end it it's just uh, always look on the bright side of life and interesting note Bruce Coburn yeah. did a live version of this on one of his one of his live records no. incredible version
0: he does not seem like the kind of guy that would do that
1: or would appreciate Monty Python but surprise surprise I was trolling around Spotify the other day yeah there it was and I had to listen to it and it's uh, it's pretty, pretty good I like it <laughs> that's hilarious so he appreciates the finer points of humor from Monty Python
0: I'm going to have to check that out well great list man this is very cool I enjoyed the chat. It was a good chat. Thanks for coming in.
1: No problem.
0: Yeah. And you're welcome back anytime.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we'll get through the other 40,000 tunes <laughs> as time allows. Well, we were talking about
0: that earlier, right? It's 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 virtually impossible to just pick seven. It really
1: is. It really is. And uh, as I said, I think what I tried to do with my list was to just not necessarily the, the tracks that first leapt lep to my mind. Yeah. But the tracks, I think, would be a great intro for people to say, you know what? David Gilmour did more than Pink Floyd. And here's a great example of something that he does on his own. Right. And John Antwistle is the rock-solid bass player in The Who, but yeah, he's got some solo work that's worthy of checking out. Yeah. And that was the intent, was to, to broaden people's horizons a little bit.
0: And Gary Moore, you know, not super well-known, but if you love rock guitar... Or blues guitar. Check him out.
1: Definitely right? check him out. And, and there are so many people I run into. Gary Moore, who is he? Yeah. Still, to this day. Yeah. And even though he was in Thin Lizzy and he's had, you know, still got the blues, which was a massive track that crossed over to to, to mainstream pop radio. Yeah. For a, a lot of listeners, still kind of wonder who he is.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. So what are you going to come back with next time, do you think?
1: Uh, well, definitely some Led Zeppelin and maybe some ACDC. dc <laughs> No, actually, I I think uh, I think we may go even deeper. There's a guy. Yeah. He does a lot of soundtrack work. Okay. A guy by the name of Ryoichi Sakamoto.
0: I have no idea who that is.
1: Uh, he's done some incredible soundtrack work. Yeah. Again, it'll be a bit of a challenge to listen to, but I think it's exciting to challenge people. Uh, maybe some Mike Oldfield.
0: Okay, I like that Tubular Bells. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Was, again, some stuff away from Tubular Bells that okay. maybe uh. Is, is different to listening I got a whole whole bag of tracks
0: perfect get it ready yeah I'll right. go home
1: right after and start prepping
0: get to it <laughs> alright man well thanks for coming thanks for having me it was a lot of fun alright this has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest Mr. Todd Miller until next time folks take good care Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.